welcome back Your dreams were your ticket out Welcome back To that same old place that you laughed about Well, the names have all changed since you hung around But those dreams have remained and they've turned around Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and with me as always, my cohort, 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 or cohort? Cohort. Cohort. And crime. Not cohort, cohort. (laughs) Coldheart. Cohort. Never mind. My partner in crime, Brian Hughes. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Welcome to Speaking Good with Tim Elliott. Um... (laughs) How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good. I've been, uh, you know, busy. Work's ramping up again. And uh, as we talked off air, I got to go with the dentist tomorrow and have a titanium screw put in my mouth. So, Yeah, I, um, I just had my wisdom teeth removed uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, not it was a week ago Saturday. And I wound up with dry sockets. I, I tried so hard not to get that. Um, oh, my God. That was so painful. I hear that's pain. I've never had that happen, but I've heard it's, uh, it's not fun. It's, it's not fun, but it's not the worst pain ever. The worst pain ever is a kidney stone. And I've had about 300 of those since the age of 18. Yeah, so you don't have that. My, yeah, the guys I work with have had that. And they said that's the worst. Uh, I know uh, women that have had it and had children and said they'd rather have the yeah, children. Yeah, the girl but, I work with but, said she, she, childbirth was not as bad. But to use the words of, of Michael Bailey, to be fair, <laughs> they get to take something nice home with them. That's true. You get to take home if – they catch it, which is tricky at best. A uh, rocky, pointy, pricker-like looking crystalline thing. So do you have like a mason jar at home full of these things? No, no, no. no. I, I get rid of them. I don't keep them. <laughs> I, I, when, they, when they pass, they pass. You don't, pass they them on to, you don't pass them on to your grandchildren? and um... If there was value to it, you know, someone said they're buying kidney stones, you know, that's that's not happening unless it's like Michael Jackson's or, you know, somebody, you know, freakishly popular in that way. I ask yeah. it turned out kidney stones are a new form of um, hyperfuel or something. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see what they dig up on the far side of the moon. Yeah. Yeah. The Israelis and the Chinese are up there working on it. Oh. This is an amazing week, though, isn't it? I mean, we've got Captain Marvel coming this Friday. And Captain Marvel, yeah, and oh yeah, and and the real <laughs> the original Captain Marvel, yeah, in the form of Shazam, yep, and the lightning, good, okay. Anyway, but that they had a real good trailer uh, that got dropped yesterday or today uh, for for Shazam, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Everyone in my family is looking forward to that, one, but we're all looking forward to Captain Marvel too. Yeah, the reviews, I, I'm the reviews. I'm, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm just saying the reviews are, are starting to pour in, and the reviews definitely seem to be cut down the uh, conservative and liberal lines, or uh, you know, social justice and uh, uh, I guess man side. You know, yeah, I mean, down. it's it's you know, I think it is what it is. I mean, I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it'll be so, a, 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 but yeah, I think it's going to be a fun. I'm, I'm the most thing I'm excited about is the scrolls. I think the scrolls look great. I was, I was looking at pictures of them today. I didn't realize until today that Ben Mendelsohn is like the lead scroll. You knew Ben Mendelsohn is. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know. I don't know who was playing the scrolls. 
Yeah, he's he's like the head scroll in this. So And they're hinting that, that uh somebody in the you know, in the Avengers in the future could be a scroll. So we're kinda of going into secret invasion. Uh oh wow. Yeah. I know. That would be kinda of cool. I, I just hope that if they ever do a Fantastic Four movie they use this one, the scrolls need to be I would love for the scrolls to be the first villain instead of Doc Doom. I know they're gonna go him go with him first off, but that's not what I read yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, what I read yesterday is that um, the Fantastic Four movie, the, the, the premise that they're working on is going to be a multi – not a multi-generational, but it's going to take place in two different times. Like it will take place in the 80s or, or and today or something like – or the 90s and today. So it's going to have that that earlier kind of feel to it and then pop up to modern day. Uh, yeah, and it can, won't be can... Doctor Doom as the villain. They haven't said who, but it won't be won't be Doom. Well, if it's not Doom, it's going to have. Well, they're not going to do Galactus right off the bat. I don't think they think they. No, I, to do. you know, I think they learned. You know, they learned their lesson in these things. Galactus is another Thanos kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's it. That's something you save for the big kaboom. Whereas Doctor Doom, he deserves his own movie. I've been saying this for years, and you know, I mean, I I think that that you know they need to read the Burn era of Doom. And look at how he was written to realize that's how Doom needs to be represented on the screen. Mm-hmm. Well, they could do something like they did with Thanos and maybe Doom is in the first, say, two films kind of in the background. So you establish him, but he's not the main bad guy. And then, you know, third film comes around and suddenly he's forefront and he's coming out of the shadows and then he's the bad guy. So I don't know. As long as they make it a period piece, I, I think I'll be... Uh, I'd be happy with it. Yeah, but do you think that, that they would be able to pull off that Doom would misplace a decimal or something that I mean I mean the way I would the way I would write it is for me it wouldn't be just like misplacing it. It would look like it's misplaced decimal, but Doom would sit there, think to himself after Richards is gone, that these adjustments have to be made for the magical aspects of things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't think the Stan Lee version of it can hold up under too much. Well, it's like it's like so many things. Like, well, I mean, look at FF one. If Reed is is such a smart guy, then how could he make the mistake of uh, you know going into going into uh, into space without proper shielding? But that's that's always uh, you know you have to have your your setup to get the ball rolling for your then later on. Yeah, but. But in the movie, they they actually wrote it in. I think they wrote it rather smartly in that the storm, you know, intensity and speed beyond anything that anybody had projected. So you know, if it if it had maintained at at its course and speed the way that they expected, the shields would have held. Ben and everybody would have been inside in time. Um, Yeah, I I watched. uh, I watched the. The Corman FF just the other day on oh, YouTube yeah. because uh, I ran across uh, uh, from Fantasticast. They did a commentary. So I listened to the commentary and I said, oh, I got to watch the film. So I went to watch the film. Yeah, one, the, you know, the thing is, I, I like the film except when they start getting around the, the Mole Man ripoff. Yeah, I don't I, I don't understand why he, he couldn't be the Mole Man. He obviously is the Mole Man. Yeah. Um, but they, they, it just at that point it became too comic booky 
beyond where they were already at. They were already at a certain point, but there was a level of seriousness to it still. And when they added him in, it just, it just, you know, it kind of blew it for me. I'm not saying I don't like it. I like to pull that out and watch it from time to it's, time. It's fun. I mean, it's as, yeah. as Andy and uh, Steve said, it's, it's earnest. I mean, it is so earnest. So that to the point where I would watch it over the Josh Trank film. Well, yeah, it's the best looking screen Dr. Doom we've ever gotten. Yeah. And there's so much they kept talking about. There's so much um, uh, glove acting because if you watch Doom, He's yeah. so expressive with his hands and his fingers. Well, I mean, he, he recognized, you know, that he's got to sit there and emote somehow mm-hmm. behind that mask. I thought, I thought, I thought that was he wasn't a bad actor. He's pretty good actor. No, he's pretty good. They, they, I think the problem they said was that he they couldn't they couldn't loop his dialogue after it was over. So everything was recorded from him behind that mask. So at a distance, it sounded very muffled. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes you wonder what Dr. Doom would sound like today. Would he have, like Tony does, you know, speakers? He would. Uh, I think he would. I mean, I think he would have some kind of a – but would it be would he, Would he? it be kind of modulated and kind of synthesized? Or would it be – would he be so vain that he would want his actual voice to come through? I think it would be a Darth Vader kind of thing. Seriously, well, yeah. I mean, Darth, Darth Vader himself was basically someone trying to figure out how to do Doctor Doom on screen. Yeah, but I mean, again, you know, that's uh, <laughs> we can sit there and go on about that forever. And we've got um, a wonderful book to cover tonight. We do. What are we? Yeah. Uh, you want to tell the folks listening at home, uh, all three of them, um, <laughs> what, what we're covering we have, tonight? It, it, we get to add. Uh, two uh, two extra people because we've got two Kirks and two Johns because uh, Kirk uh, Grunfeld Greenfield Grunfeld I think Grunfeld but he's also Kirk Greenfield is he not or is that two people that's I think it's I get a, them confused oh. and then John Hyatt has more than one email address and they go to different spellings of the name and i guess it's a foreign thing you know based on where we where he's from i get actually he's actually from california yeah yeah he's he's uh, he's local and i need to talk to him to get ready for assistant editors month yeah uh because that's coming up here soon Uh, oh we're covering (laughs) (laughs) we are we're going to cover alpha flight number 10 from uh may of 1984 today and uh you know this is something i've been looking to looking forward to for a while because it's got a lot of things in it that I just love when John Byrne handles, and so uh, this is this is a, 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 a good one for me. I can't say it's a favorite, but it's just something I've been looking forward to. It's one to. of my that these two part. You know, this is like part two of, of nine you know, and ten go together. And if I'd known that that we were going to have the difficulties we had getting to record this, because we 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 meant to record this what a month six weeks ago, is that yeah. right? And then last week we tried it, we just couldn't. We were having because if um, if I mean really, if we had our druthers right now, we'd be recording a Marvel team up with uh, Ms. Marvel. Yeah, you could easily do a three parter. You could do actually those two part. Well, almost those two Marvel team ups. Yeah, which is what sixty. I have written down sixty five, sixty four right to this. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about Byrne. He will, when he, you know, he came, obviously came on Alpha Flight, he pulls from his previous work to kind of either tie us to loose ends or just to, you know, I want to play with these characters again. So he pulls things forward uh, and it, and it does, it makes a nice continuity with, 
team-up book, which was probably – this is 84. That team-up book's well, probably – It's not just the continuity of that, but it's also the continuity of the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the, there was what happened in, in the Marvel team-up books and how they scattered the Super Scroll, you know, to outer space, basically bouncing back and forth between Earth and the Scroll homeworld. And then in Fast Fantastic Four, when Galactus, a spoiler, uh, Galactus <laughs> eats the Scroll homeworld, uh, apparently the satellite that had been powering the Super Scroll all these years ceases to be, doesn't it? Or does it just get kicked off somewhere? It doesn't say. It just says. It, and that, that that that's the one thing I, I didn't understand because he still had all of his powers, and yet you'd think that the satellite would have been destroyed when. Well, I mean, again, it might have been just set free, but it did seem to scatter him a little bit further than just you know going back and forth like he was. But once again, they were able to pull him in here. But we'll, we'll get to that as we go into yeah. the story. Now, uh, as far as this story goes, let me see if I can get through the uh, minutia here. Uh, Alpha Flight Volume 1, Number 10. Uh, the cover date was May 1984. Uh, the on-sale date was actually Valentine's Day, February 14th of 1984. It had a page count of 32 pages, 22 pages of story. Two stories broken up in it, though. One one story was 17 pages. The other one was five pages. Though in all cases, uh, the art was done by John Byrne. Uh, cover, uh, pencils and inks, the uh, interior pencils, inks, writing were all done by John Byrne. Colors by Andy Yankis, letters by Michael Higgins, edited by Denny O'Neill with, uh, I think, Linda Grant as his assistant, and, of course, editor-in-chief was uh, Jim Shooter, the whim of iron. <laughs> and <laughs> I was looking at not just, you know, the, the the burn books of 84, but I was looking at, you know, all what else was because I realized that that was a big freaking month mm-hmm. in Marvel history. Do you know what that was? Because uh, there's no mention of it in the Alpha Flight book. 84? Is it uh, New Universe? Secret know. Wars, number one. Oh, that's right, yeah. because the, the related is they came back. That's right. Yeah, Marvel Human Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, number one, came out uh, the same month there. Now, uh, what Byrne had done at this point was, uh, of course, this issue. But uh, there was a Doctor Strange classic starring Doctor Strange number three that came out I'm assuming he did the cover work for it uh, and then Fantastic Four number 266 called Her Charisma now did he just do the inks on that one was that the one that Kerry Gamble came, came in again, and did? Uh, excuse me, uh, Kerry Gamble was the artist and Byrne wrote, I didn't write my notes didn't say if he inked it or not I just knew that Camel, Gamble was the artist on it I, I think he inked it, I do think he inked it but I'll have to go back and check that and then the Fantastic Four Special Edition number one, Submariner versus the Human Race, which I, if I remember right, he's got a, a story in there that he did in the style of Jack Kirby mm-hmm. or Jack Kirby uh, FF, and he recreated the scene where Johnny shaves off the, the man wears his beard and all that. And, yeah. Uh, Marvel Age number 14, where he did the cover that was, I think, the first his first homage to Fantastic Four number one, but it's John Byrne's head coming out of the ground instead of the monster. Um, yeah, he's got an interview in that book. That's what I've got. Yeah. Uh, Ohatmu number 15, books of weapons, hardware, and paraphernalia. Thing number 11, Rocky Grimm's Space Ranger. And, okay, that's it for 
for the uh, the burn stuff that came out that month. However, I've, I've got that he wrote thing number twelve. Thing number well, see, I just see thing number eleven on here. Oh, uh, so maybe the the I'd have to look at Mike's Amazing World to see if that's that, right. Uh, Mine was off the uh, the newsstand that he has there, so I could be off, but. Uh, uh, well, actually, you know, I'm looking at the Mar- Mighty Marvel checklist, and Thing Eleven is what's listed there. Hmm. So that's that's right. Because uh, the the thing is, I'm reading this stuff of the CBR, and all the ads are cut out. But yeah. they, whoever did this one, they kept the bullpen bulletin and the letters page intact. And the bullpen, uh, the bullpen bulletin, of course, is Jim Shooter talking about him and all the editors, with the exception of Archie Goodwin going out to California for San Diego Comic-Con, you know, going to Stan Lee Studios and seeing all the great things that they're doing there. Uh, Larry Hama sitting there working on the... um, Larry Hama and Denny O'Neill were working on the... um, G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe animated commercials for the animated series. And um, they they just, you know, all the things that they did on the trip there, of course, they... uh, they went to Stan Lee's house up in the hills to, you know, to have a party, and they were all out at the pool, and uh, apparently having a, having a great time there at Stan's place. Uh, they did also meet up with uh, Harlan Ellison and Steve Gerber. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. It's just, a, it, it's a good read. Yeah, if you if you want to read that uh, bulletin bullpen bulletin by Jim Shooter. And uh, he says that Stan will be there in, in a couple weeks or months to put in his own bullpen bulletin. I think I remember that one. Uh, the hype box, of course, talks about Marvel Superhero Secret One, Secret Wars number one, and then uh, the Mighty Marvel checklist, which uh, a couple things of note: Daredevil two hundred six, which was part of the Micah Sin storyline. And if you weren't aware that David Mazzuccelli, I believe, was already doing artwork on there. It could have been Danny Bilandi. I, I, I could be wrong on that. I think uh, David Mazzuccelli started his uh, art run on Daredevil um, a good bit early. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go back and double check that, but uh, I could be wrong on that. That, that is possible. Um, let's see. Doctor Strange Classics number three, which had Stanley Steve Ditko stories from Strange Tales, which I, I don't know about you, but I love the early Stanley Steve Ditko Doctor Strange stories. Uh, they're as good as the Spider-Man stories that they wrote together. Yep, that they did together. I kind of started reading those, but I then I got into the uh, the Stranko stuff. So, mm-hmm. not the 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 colon. Is it Gene Colon or is it Stranko that was took over after that? I I don't recall. I, I don't recall because once I think it's Gene Dick, Cohen. I think I've once, got that mix because it, it's once, kind of yeah. But once Ditko got away from the book, I, I I got away from the book, and you know that's just that's just happened. Of course, I was introduced to Doctor Strange through pocket books. Yeah, I didn't I didn't ever buy his comic books until later when Roger Stern was writing it. I, I uh, picked him up very sporadically, but I do have the pocket book that has like the first, you know, the like they those the first six issues. Um, that I've got like the Hulk, I've got the Fantastic Four, I've got Spider-Man. Yep. Now, uh, also coming out was Amazing Spider-Man 252. So that's right smack dab in the middle of the the Hobgoblin storyline. Mm-hmm. That's actually that may be the first issue of the black costume. If if I'm remember, I mean, if it's the same same month that Secret Wars number one came out. You have to look at that now. I, it might be because they all because that was yeah. the, that was the gimmick that the books. You know, you're reading the books after they came back. You had to figure out what you know, like like in Fantastic Four, 
why is the She-Hulk here? You know, you have, then you had to read uh, Secret yeah, Wars to find out why. It, introducing a new Spider-Man, the rumors are true. So yeah, that yep. was the, the, the first one of the black costume. Um, of course, that, that means that Incredible Hulk, Avengers, Fantastic Four, which of course the Fantastic Four coming back, that's leading up to something rather sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Avenger, the Hulk, of course, 295, if you remember, by the end of Secret Wars, Hulk was losing his, you know, he, prior to Secret Wars, Hulk had gotten uh, Banner's intelligence in the Hulk's body. And he had been finally recognized by the people of New York and, and the world as a true hero, not just the, the thing of violence. And, and that's, that's that's referenced in this story we're going to cover. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's... that's uh, that was a tragic part of the Hulk leading up to issue 300 where Hugh then went off uh, to the Nexus of Reality. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's 295. There's a, there's one that's around there where he's, he's, it's Dr. Strange in the cover and he's kind of punching through like this pink. Yeah. That's uh, 299. I believe. Is that 299? I knew that was yeah, about the time a, that he gets banished. That's a, a Sienkiewicz cover, isn't it? I couldn't tell you that. I just remember the uh, cover. I, th- I think it is. Uh, and the thing is, I think this one, uh, if I remember, when in the one where he came back, he still had the leg crutch because he got hurt. Right, because he got, yeah, because Ultron hurt. broke his leg yeah. and the machine that was healing the rest of them wouldn't work on, it doesn't make sense, wouldn't work on somebody of his size or, yeah. or metabolism, whatever, whatever the reason Reed gave him. Yep. And then another big one was X-Men 181. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm checking to see if that's the one in Japan where they come back and Lockheed has to save them from the other dragon. Because um, that's right before Life Death. And Yeah, that's uh, Young Dragons in Love. Yep. And then uh, 182 is Rogue. Yeah, 182 is, I was around Rogue coming in. 183, of course, is Colossus and Juggernaut. That's a great episode. The, that's a great issue. Yeah. Are they fighting and the bar? Life Death, of course, comes uh, 186. Yeah, 186. That's the Barry Windsor Smith issue after after Storm got hit with the uh, the gun that takes away her powers. That's that's her and uh, Forge. Forge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. ROM 54, Power Man Iron Fist 105, as that series was getting ready to wind up. And, uh, I mean, well, we'll talk about that as we get into this story. <laughs> Because uh, and Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man number ninety. Now that was an Al Milgram issue, wasn't it? Around the time of the Spot and the Kingpin storyline. Yeah, because that's before uh, Basima took over and had his long run on it. Oh wait, wait, uh, ninety. That was when the Black Cat was looking all around for him, and he finally shows up at the end. That's where Black Cat was going all around the city, looking for him. She even goes and checks with the Kingpin. And the oh, King- that's because of the Secret Wars. Yeah. yeah. It's because of the Secret Wars. Yeah. I mean, you just got to remember that. That tells you everything you need to know. Hercules Limited Series number three, the Bob Layton series. Yep, that's a good and series. The Electra Saga. Not Electra Assassin, but Electra Saga. So that was um, Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. And, and I think what it did was it took all the Electra storylines from Daredevil and bound it into one story with some added material, you know, Mm-hmm. Put in there, additional um, stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a big blind dancing. spot for me. Is Daredevil? I, I really haven't read much. I'm gonna have to loan you my uh, my uh, all, all my Frank Miller stuff, Daredevil stuff that I got, uh, especially the early stuff with Roger McKenzie writing is really really interesting. Of course, you see his Frank Miller's uh, 
more metamorphosis from just mm-hmm. an artist to a storyteller artist and then ultimately to the writer artist and then to writer because you know Roger McKenzie kind of walked him through a lot of things as they started off together and then you know and Miller's art was moving away from just being the Marvel style and turning into his own style and then he started doing looser and looser pencils and letting Klaus Jansen finish things even, yeah it, it, more up until 191 which was uh, an issue where Miller came in and I think Terry Austin did the inks and that was the first time you actually see Miller looking like he did in uh, Ronin or Dark Knight. Wow, that's t- t- talk about two opposite ends of the coin, Klaus yeah. Jansen and, <laughs> and Terry Austin. Yeah. Speaking of Miller, I just fin- finished reading, because uh, I bought it cheap and it was sitting on my nightstand, I finished reading, uh, is it Dark Knight Returns 2 or is it DK2? What, what, what it's officially called? Well, it's Dark Knight Strikes Back. Dark Knight Strikes Back, that's what it is. Or is it Strikes Again? I, I, I think it Strikes Again. Is it Strikes Again? I, I've read it recently, um... I'm trying to. I mean, I've got digital copies. It's of the all sequel that. to uh, Dark Knight Returns, and then there's the Dark Knight Master Race. And I haven't read that one. I've read this, The Strikes Back, and I don't think it's not written for me because it was. Well, you know, the thing is, The Dark Knight Strikes Back to me was Frank Miller, you know, thumbing his nose at everything that had been done with his work after he left it, everything that had been done about Batman or said about his Batman and all that. You know, I think he was just basically making it as absurd as possible. And the ultimate, you know, thumb, you know, thumbing his nose with the, the, the reveal of the villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, I, I, it was kind of like, you know how in where's Wolverine, the, the phrase on the best series that what I do, but what I do isn't very nice. Yeah. All those cliches, you know, they spoofed those way back then in the What The magazines. And that made it so you could just kind of go, okay, yeah, it's a cliche. It's That's what it is and all that. And while Wolverine did become what he later became, it wasn't because of what Chris Claremont and Frank Miller did in the initial miniseries. They became, he became that in spite of what they did. Whereas with The Dark Knight Returns, you know, Batman had become Bat God because of Dark Knight Returns, because mm-hmm. he defeated Superman, because you know he did all this stuff and, and showed himself in that as being the master planner and you know saying all the lines and, and everything. But nobody could sit there, nobody mocked it, nobody made it cliche early on enough that we didn't go down that rabbit hole of Batman becoming what he did. No, but that certainly set the the template for every Batman story. I think today, for the way it's gonna it's gonna be going, uh, I had to say his. And I don't know if it's d- done on purpose, but his artwork is not. I I had a hard time really. Yeah, it's a hard time getting over. Yeah, it's, it's it's his metamorphosis. I mean, you see it if you read Sin City. You 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 see his art going that direction, and it's you know it's meant to evoke. Those feelings. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, Frank Miller is a guy that's in pain. I mean, he is physically in pain, I think, all the time. And so he's writing that into his characters. He's using that that to, to, to fuel his characters. And when you look at it, everybody's in pain there yeah. in one way or another. 
it's uh it's you know it's tragic there's, there's but a lot of, there's a lot of anger on that on those pages yes absolutely and i mean if you even read that was it batman year zero or what was what's the one he did with jim lee and jim lee quit oh bat and, uh, and azrella came that in all-star bat no it's not all-star, yeah, all-star, bat- yeah, all-star yeah, batman right. all-star yeah. batman that's right yeah. and i mean you you read that and you can tell he's writing angry yeah, he's he's like, OK, well, I'm just going to I'm going to have Batman screw Black Canary. OK, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, it's and then the I'm the damn Batman. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one thing you take away from that. And I've never even read that story. And I know what that is. Yeah. Oh, did I just spoil that for you? No, no, no. I, I knew about that. Uh, uh, I knew that was what was infamous about it in some of the what? other language. The, the funny thing is, is that, you know, Kevin Smith, when he wrote his books, Cacophony and um What's the other one? Well, regardless, uh, when he wrote his stories, you know, he put in a, a conversation that Batman had with someone and asked in the, about an explosion and asked him what happened. And he goes, I, I had a, a bladder spasm. <laughs> he, he peed his pants. And so many people took umbrage of that, you know. I saw my arm and I was so scared. But if, you, if he had written that back in 85, Nobody would have taken umbrage at that because Batman was the kind of guy that could do that in his younger days. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Batman year one, yeah, he could have a bladder spasm. That Batman could. Yeah. I mean, think about it. During uh, uh, Batman Returns, when the Penguin takes control of Batmobile, that was his sole purpose. He wanted to get him to lose bladder control. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so should I go and get into our uh, our synopsis? Okay. Get into it. The synopsis for the first story, the first story is called Blood Battle. In New York, James Hudson prepares to move into a new apartment as part of the job with Roxanne that he had accepted. Oh, and I got to tell you, I did pull this and kind of from, from a Marvel wiki and make a little adjustments. I think I, mostly it is Marvel wiki story though. Nobody's judging. I'm, I'm well, I just, you know, I didn't want to take credit, you know, <laughs> anyway, um, while he wonders what the rest of alpha flight is up to, Walter Langowski is running for his life from the super scroll who's decided to make sport of his kill in the isolated Rocky mountain wilderness. That was the site of the research station that retrieved him from space. The stress caused Walter to transform into a savage version of the Sasquatch that begins to overpower the Super Scroll until the Super Scroll employs his hypnotic power to calm the beast. Sasquatch manages to avoid falling under complete dominance, but fakes it in order to wait for the right moment. The Scroll explains that he was previously beamed away from Earth and doesn't quite know how he ended up back there. He intends to force Sasquatch to help him build a new transmitter device to help him escape. Sasquatch notices that all the scroll's time as a radioactive signal has left him with a form of leukemia that is killing him. In the guise of mind control, Sasquatch helps construct the device until the super scroll is hit with another attack from his disease, then forces the scroll into the device, prematurely activates it, scattering his enemy's atoms into the ether, and if there ever were to reintegrate, he would die immediately from the radiation poisoning. Walter figures this is as good a revenge as any for the murder of his colleagues, but he doesn't like the monstrous side of himself that he's discovered. When he returns to his home in Vancouver, Walter is surprised to be met by Aurora, who only wants to be with him after parting ways with her brother. Walter wonders how this new news will hit the rest of this team. Now, the things that I found in the notes here, looking around a little bit, Guardian signed a lease, uh, but never actually moved into the apartment that was at 5, 569 Lehman Place. 
former home of Captain America. We do see this in the story. Um, <laughs> but he never actually, if you remember, of course, he, he didn't actually move into it because not too long after that, he died. Spoilers. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's been 30 years. It's true. <laughs> 35 years. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Super Scroll is last seen in Marvel team up number 62. Uh, he'd been trapped in the form of the signal in the satellite above the Skrull homeworld until it was destroyed by Galactus in Fantastic Four 257, which bounced the signal back to Earth. A, a modified collector dish at the research station reintegrated his physical form in the previous issue. The Super, super Skrull does not remain scattered for long. He's actually seen next in Power Man and Iron Fist, number 11, in the guise of Captain Hero, uh, though his identity isn't revealed until much later by Retcon. Now, this is a Captain Hero that went nuts and killed Iron Fist, but that wasn't actually Iron Fist, according to John Byrne in later issues of Namor, the Submariner. Oh, when he brought it back, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, do you want me to get into the next story, or do you want me to co cover the next story after we look at this one? Uh, let's, co let's cover this, and then we'll cover the, the little okay. backup story. Okay, um, sure. Which so, is interesting, just a side note, it's interesting. I read this in... As a, as a digital, which you provided me. And I also read it in my big omnibus. Oh, yeah? And in the omnibus, they collect all of the backstories, which are kind of the origins of Alpha Flight. Right. And they don't put them in the order they were with the issues. They collect those all at one and once. So you get to read those all at once. Hmm. Which is interesting. I thought it was kind of... Does that give you any insights that you didn't get reading? No, it doesn't. It just, I just, when I was flipping through there, because I was kind of checking the difference between the scan versus the cleaned up, uh, the cleaned up, um, version of my book and I went back and because I haven't read these in so long I went back yeah. and kind of reread or skimmed the first 12 issues to kind of you know what what this led up to and what it you know because this is really we're two issues away from Guardian dying like you said yeah, so. yeah. now the the front cover that's great cover that's oh my god that's so cover. awesome the, the fire burning in the eyes the it, it almost looks like he's trying to sign Walt Simonson's autograph on his nose, on the bridge <laughs> of his nose. <laughs> but I know that's not it's what like that is. Like yeah, and then it almost, it, you know, from certain distances, it looks like he wrote 1984 on the top of his lower lip. But uh, that's just in my in my copy as I'm looking at it on the computer. But I need glasses. Um, oh. I, I'm, I'm, you think he would, I didn't notice that, you think he would have some pronounced canines. He doesn't. He's got... Don't you well, have, he'd have some more fang-like teeth? Well, you know, that's that's interesting. Again, you know, we don't know if he took – if when Byrne drew him initially, if he drew him in a way that represented more bestial Sasquatch that would probably have that or, yeah. you know, and it, I've seen different authors. My father included have written stories about Sasquatch that make them out to be completely different types of creatures that wouldn't have canines. Yeah, I mean, I always thought so, Sasquatch won. Uh, I don't think he'd be orange. I don't know why he picked it, maybe because it makes him a little more colorful. Well, he's red hair. That's red hair, isn't it? No, yeah, no you're yeah, he's, so well, he's blonde, isn't he? Yeah, he's blonde. He's blonde. Uh, I mean, it, it, it looks, it pops off the page better. I can yeah. see why you do that as to brown, but... You know, you think, or actually, you think he'd probably be white. You know, the the version that Snowbird becomes. Yeah, but I, I mean, again, you know, I, I think he didn't want to have another white character on there. Right. And also, yeah, you know. if he did brown, everybody would think it was Chewbacca. Chewie, is that you? Uh, 
That's <laughs> true. That's true. And so. and burn. It's funny because in the omnibus, it also collects. You know, after they first showed up in X Men, before they got their own book, they showed up in like a Hulk or Sasquatch. Did they showed up in uh, Machine Man? And it was always Sasquatch. So that was the one character they would kept bringing uh, out to kind of play with before Byrne launched him in this series. And nobody could get a handle on drawing Sasquatch other than Byrne. And I don't know if it's because he designed it, but they all drew it with too big a head or he had these massive kind of no neck shoulders and nobody could draw him the way Byrne could. I wonder if... Um if Marvel, you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, like DC had the style guide that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, PBHM, uh, <laughs> you know, put together on all the main characters. I'm wondering if Byrne had ever provided a style guide or if, if they only had, you know, this and a hot moon and, and, and whatever else to look at. In I don't fact, know. I mean, I'm sure they had, they, when they create a new character, sure they have to, uh, create some kind of a, a, a style guide for the next guy to come around or else because really if you think about it he doesn't show up in that early one where he where uh just guardian shows up and he's trying to take wolverine back in it's the the two-parter in canada which we've already covered where you get to see all of alpha flight flight proper that's the only time i think you've seen sasquatch up till then until they bring him out like he fights the hulk the artwork mm-hmm. in that's not great. It's it's trippy, and then the artwork in Machine Man is by uh, Ditko. Yeah, um, and that one I think also has North Star and Aurora in it. Well, the best um, image of him just straightforward standing up is Ohatmu, Volume One. Mm-hmm. Um, on, uh, in, in this issue, page eighteen, it's uh, issue nine, and page eighteen, it's just him standing straight up, stare, you know, forward, arms at his side. And you can see just how massive he is in the chest, yet he's thin at the hips. And, and, and you know, he's got, of course, the hair hanging over both the feet and the hands, which um, I noticed Chewbacca does that, too. Yeah. And, of course, the hair hanging down out, out of his crotch. Um, <laughs> he's a little orangutan-like. He's got the longer arms, shorter yeah. legs, the long torso, the shorter leg. you know. Because um, a lot of times when you see him running, he'll lop, kind of like an ape. He'll run more yeah. on his... He'll use his hands, his arms like pendulums and kind of swing his legs and run that way. Yeah, but he's no Maurice. No. <laughs> and if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, you need to watch the, the Planet of the Apes, the recent Planet of the Apes movies. Okay, sure. so let's go into the book. And uh, I do want to let you know, I did, because uh, they, they, they're showing New York here and Byrne uses a couple of his... Uh, they're not photoshopped, but what it is, is he's taken the New York skyline and he has either drawn over or done something to give it a very, um, I don't know, austere look. It's a, a, lot, it's a very like, photorealistic. You can tell he's taken a photo and he's rotoscoped it or he's traced it or he's done. Yeah, what? he's he's done some work that's not actually done on a drawing board. It's done, right. And, yeah. he, and he started doing this in FF about halfway through his run. <laughs> he started using more uh, photo referencing for skylines. Yeah, and I did something else that, I, that I've been doing a lot of lately. Whenever I'm reading old comic books and they put in an address, I bring out Google Maps and I try to find that address. Like in this case, 569 Lehman Place does not exist. Uh, imagine that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm disappointed there. I haven't looked for Bleecker Street, which is where uh, Dr. Strange's place is. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, and uh, again, you know, the, I've always noticed... 
I've always noticed this more in Alpha Flight than in any of Byrne's other books. But his line in it is so thick. Especially in the first 12 issues. Do you you notice what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's always a little, because he's inking himself, and it's always a little, you know, I I think I've used the word muddy before. That's not not fair. It it just looks a little heavy-handed. It doesn't have that crisp line that Austin uh, uses when he, uh, almost like he's inking with a a pen instead of a a brush that you see in those early uh, uh, X-Men books. but I think issues. this is also when he kind of started using that that anchor shorthand, whereas well, he wasn't doing as tight of pencils because he knew what he was going to do. Inking. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the, why do it twice? You know, if you're gonna, and I'm sure you know, uh, and I'm sure anytime somebody inks themselves, it's going to be a little different than if somebody else. Because if you come along after someone else, you can't. You pretty much have to. Maybe you're working harder to make sure there's enough detail in there, but um, you're right. I never realized that he never moves in. He never he never returns to New York. He never gets a chance to. No, even. no, and you, you know that this is they should have done an issue of Captain America where he's like, "What happened to that guy? He was yeah. supposed to move in. He just disappeared." <laughs> you know, he signed the lease and boom, gone. You know, but they didn't they didn't cover that. Of course, on the on the second page, as you go in there, once again. Um, you, I mean, you see it, and of course, it's all just people in their their everyday clothes. And this is one of the strengths of John Byrne versus so many other artists is that he takes even the mundane stuff and makes it look good because he's he uses the clothes that people in the day wore. Fact of the matter is that there's a shot in the middle of the page on page two of of James Hudson walking right past Steve Rogers and Bernie Rosenthal, mm-hmm. and. I'm sorry, that's me when I was in college, right there. The leather jacket, I, the jeans. And comb my hair just like that, because I wanted to look like a John Byrne character, okay? <laughs> but that's, and I had hair, all right? I, my hair started falling out at the age of 23. My acne didn't quit till I was 25. I didn't have one good year. <laughs> but, but and, and I mean, the thing is, I would have been dating a girl like that. And that's what my wife looked like when we first met, <laughs> so... I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's well, interesting to see that shot right there. <laughs> well, we've we've always said that Byrne pays so much attention to fashion that it's not. Uh, I mean, if you look at work in the '60s, that is all kind of generic '60s fashion. You look at '70s, it's kind of generic '70s. Byrne has always been, and I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is about him why he takes the time to to draw fashion, especially when he's doing women. Because it adds that sense of realism. Yeah, I mean, it, do, his, it does. And, and, and I don't which know. Issue, is it issue two of Man of Steel with Lois Lane, where she keeps trying to chase Superman down? And it, it's, it looks like almost a runway show of all the different styles and outfits and everything that Lois Lane could wear. Well, he's done the same with hair, with hair, where the uh, hairdos and haircuts. Yeah, he's always oh, yeah. been paid a lot of attention to how somebody would would keep their hair to the point where he would change it. You know, look at Johnny Storm's hair way, yep. uh, changes in FF the way Sue's hair changes. Exactly, Reed's kind of it, stays the same, but yeah. So again, you know, this is uh, you know he Hudson signing the lease, saying goodbye to the landlord, 
passing by Steve and Bernie and, you know, <laughs> Steve, Steve Rogers <laughs> makes that comment, you know, something about him feels like a, a man accustomed to wielding great power. Dun, and, dun, dun. and a little backstory in this is that um, Hudson recently lost his job uh, with um, Department Can't, H. Yeah, Department oh. H. They shut down because of, of budget cuts. Mm-hmm. So then he got a, a, an offer from Roxon to come to, to the States and work. And Roxon, you know, what a great company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Responsible for so much great stuff in Marvel. Uh, so, you know, and, and what you don't see in this issue is that Heather has packed up their home in um, it's Ottawa, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or is it Toronto? No, I, I think it's Ottawa. Ah, see, now I'm going to have to go back and look. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get there here. Anyway, in wherever they're at, they've packed up and she's getting ready to meet him in New York. Because uh, he's already, you know, found a place to live. Um, yeah. And he wants to you know. And, and you, th- what's funny is reading this as a, as a reader, you know, you're on your 10th issue and we've already gone through kind of a couple story arcs. We had uh, that one standalone puck story. Uh, we've had the, is this before or after the Marina and Submariner story? It's before, isn't it? No. I, I, Was it after? I believe this is... Uh... You know, and it's funny because I've been going through all that stuff. I, I, I went through it twice, and I don't. It's it, it's. Let me see here. We you've got Tundra and Marina, and then Aurora, Marina again, Puck, Snowblind, Aurora's back, and that was the one where they, uh, or not that one, but the issue after where they, they split. Yeah. Okay, so then of course is, uh, Gamma Flight. Or yeah, Gamma Flight and uh, one shall surely die, and then oh yeah, Marina and Save Mariner, so Submariner is uh, fifteen. Okay, so that's 15. later. Anyway, no matter who wins, the good guys lose. You would no. think that okay, uh, he's leaving Canada. He's got a job in New York. He's going to join the other New York heroes, and two issues later, he's gone. Yeah, well, and, I, you know, again, it, 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 it. I mean, it's perfect storytelling in in a way because it's leading you in a direction you're just like wait 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 why are yeah. we going here they're yeah. the canadian superhero team they need to stay in canada which is what i oh. loved about alpha flight <laughs> <laughs> you know um i love the shirt rip on the second on the, the next page though page three. Oh, it's, page yeah three? it's a nice it's a nice little homage um yeah and is it also his comment about not having a uh because I don't have a uh, convenient cape pouch where I can compress my uh, civvies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he has to make use of a collapsible duffel bag, which yep. we all have one. So that's know. the uh, that's the uh, um, uh, uh, Bruce Banner, or David Banner, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ever ever present uh, as Andy calls it his bottomless brown bag that he has on the Incredible Hulk that he has. So you always see him walking down the street with at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, like in the in the cartoon, it just magically appears when he turns back into Banner along with his clothes. Oh yeah, it's tie. Yeah, that yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that comes that comes from another dimension too. So, do you recognize the bridge there on the third panel? Uh, Is that the George Washington? Is bridge it George or, or Brooklyn? Brooklyn? I don't know. It looks like I've been and in the it, Brooklyn Bridge, but that looks like that. But I couldn't tell you if that's it or not. And then the foreshadowing. Go yeah, I, I had to read ahead to realize who this is. Is kind of tracking him. And that's obviously it's Jason, right? Or Jerome. Jerome. Not Jason. Um, Jerome. 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 But the next page. Full page splash. That's a great... I love how 
demonic the uh, yes. super one one i love the super scroll yes one of my favorite characters love um, me some super scroll and i love how demonic he looks Hold it a second. Excuse me for interrupting, but since some viewers might not speak fluent scroll, we'll use our Mighty Marvel language converter to bring you up to speed. Um, when he's chasing down uh, Walter. And what you can tell Walter's hurt because he's grabbing that arm. Arm, yeah. And there's stones flying all about, but the flames just coming off of the super scroll, especially the the lights in the eyes and in the mouth yeah that's what i'm saying that's what makes him look and so it, devilish it, it, you know in retrospect now it makes me think of miller's joker in the dark knight returns issue four where he's already dead and batman's mm. looking back at him <laughs> and that's what he sees that kind of image so we know where miller ripped that off from well and burns on a great inking around the scroll which is like a a rough almost like with a sponge Paper or a towels. dry brush. That's the paper towel trick. Oh, it's the, okay. Like he'd used in Ganthus' tail. That, that, I'm starting to recognize that easily now. <laughs> that gives it a great, uh, uh, very more, uh, like, ethereal, ethereal, you know, just a right fiery glow around him. That, yeah. Uh, especially since, because if, if you read the first issue to this, which is issue nine, it's very much take on the thing. Because they go up into the Arctic, they they pull the, they pull what they think is the thing down because the scrolls disguise is the thing. So you're not talking about the thing, but you're talking about John Carpenter's the thing. John Carpenter's the thing, or thing from another world. The thing from another world, yeah. Where they okay. bring him into the you know the uh, the the research station, and then suddenly people start dying, and then you know mm-hmm. it's like okay, you know what's going on, and then it's revealed at the end that it's a that's a super scroll. That's how he gets originally gets his arm. Uh, broken but yeah which we get kind of a backstory on page five uh, yeah. a little synopsis of what's going on and i mean i understand you know you you do your your um retellings in in uh, recaps in like monochrome but the red is kind of off-putting there for me on that i like the red i think it's i mean it, it that the last panel and it was second to last panel and the last panel looked good that way. It's just the the other ones. The rest, yeah, they look like you know someone's going to be developing pictures here <laughs> soon. Well, it, to me, it's very reminiscent of early uh, Kirby and uh, the very early issues where mm-hmm. they would just do a solid uh, kind of a panel of color. It might be the foreground yellow and 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 the, the main characters are uh, blue. You know, something it's- like that. It's funny that that pose of the Super Scroll in the bottom right-hand uh, panel reminds me of Captain America in Iron Fist 9. You remember when Iron Fist and Captain America mm-hmm. fought the uh, Wrecking Crew? Oh, yeah. And they had that one single-page splash of Cap standing there. That's It makes me think of it. Weird. And then, of course, we finally get a full-color, straightforward shot of... Super scroll there, and Langowski's still in pain. And he has to tell the audience who it is. So, mm-hmm. and he and you get a little explanation as to why the scroll has not killed him yet, because he's he's uh like a kid turning wings off of a fly. Yeah, 
He's kind uh, of like the he's like the Gorn in Arena, you know. He's uh he's getting he wearies of the chase, you know. Wants to uh he wants to he wants someone to uh he needs someone to to uh be a, a, a you know a decent component to him. You know, uh, uh, not a component opponent to him. Yeah, it's it, it gets boring if every time you step on the ant it dies. Yeah, crush it right away. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, you know, Walter gets knocked down the hill, lands into a bunch of snow, and the Super Scroll goes into full Johnny Storm mode. And he's like looking for him. Human! Human! <laughs> oh, human, where are you? <laughs> and I hear, uh, whenever, when, for some reason when I was reading this, every time he said human, I heard Quark saying human. Human. <laughs> the way the, the Ferengi said it. We will accuse the humans of preparing to ambush us. It will be our word against theirs. <laughs> but the next page, of course, is a, is a good old burn throwback where two hands come out of the ground where nobody could possibly see what's in, above them and yet magically grab the Super Scroll by both legs. Well, he's just gra- he's grabbing for the hot spot. I know, but you know, it's like when Colossus's hands come out of the ground and stop the truck. I mean, he just yeah. got to that perfect spot, you know. Same thing here; he got to the perfect spot and bam, was able to grab. I mean, if it's Superman, he's got X-ray vision. This is Sasquatch, and this is not just regular Sasquatch. This is pissed off. This is bestial Sasquatch. Bestial Sasquatch, yeah. But this is awesome, and of course, there's you know, I mean, you can see he's grabbing flame. He's burning his hands. And I just love all that. And I don't know if you want to call that Kirby crackle or snow crackle or what of, of all that stuff bursting out of the ground. That's, in that bottom. that's kind of, that's just, that's, you know, that's just nice. That's burnt rubble. Yeah. We call it. It's like snow rubble. Uh, and then, you know, he grabs the, the scroll and he's really taken off. And Is taken. that a drunk smiley face right there in the middle, though? I, 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 in between, in between the legs and the hands, it looks a little bit I like. See, yeah, like it looks a little like face, something. And then there's the number two with a dash, or a dash in front of it, in the the thing right above it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder why the uh, you think Sasquatch's hair would catch on fire, um, as hot as the scroll is. Well, I think Sasquatch has a healing factor, you know, in, in line with the Hulk. Includes his hair. But, I mean, still, it, it does hurt him. Yeah. Because he, he's he, the next page. He's screaming about it, and then he throws <laughs> him with all his strength away. Oh, man. Another thing Byrne does, and I've noticed other artists do not, Byrne always draws Sasquatch with red eyes. Mm-hmm. And everybody else will draw him with human eyes. Right. It looks better when he's got these bestial red um Right now, the rage-filled eyes that yeah. Well, yeah, he's done the three-panel walk-up mm-hmm. also, and this is something that he likes to do, where you see him from a distance, you see him halfway, and then you see him up close, and he's doing a description of him, taking him in there, and it, there always seems to be something where the mind is going, or the mind is gone, or they're too angry, or you know they've looked inside shaman's purse, and <laughs> sorry, man bag, sorry satchel, okay. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he does that, 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 that three-panel walk-up, which is really kind of cool. I always like those. But I can see, again, this is, this is where his inking kind of suffered on, on the bottom three panels. It's, I mean, a, it's a little it's thick, cool. yeah. It's a little, uh, especially against that black background. You lose yeah. a little bit of 
what's going on. But that bottom left panel, it loses all symmetry too. It's like he, I mean, I understand he's supposed to be leaning over to his left and kind of leaning down, but it's like his head's gotten moved to a different part of his, his, uh, yeah, he's kind of in his legs a little wonky there, but, uh, yeah. Um, it's a nice slow, kind of a slow zoom with, like you said, the the description of him kind of coming at you, uh, and you kind of what, which they go to the next page and page, the page nine. Is what the scrolls sing because he's in this snowbank looking at this this huge monstrous form slowly lumbering towards him, and he's of course he's thinking to himself what why and I didn't pick up on this at first that he thinks it's the pain of having to heal that broken arm, which is uh, I'm sure it was painful during the transformation. Uh, yeah, it's kind of driven him to his more bestial side. So, so he thinks he has to kind of put him away quickly. So it gives him the kind of the, the, the stretchy punch. Can, can I say something about the first panel? Yeah. Do, does the scroll look like Jamie Foxx is wearing scroll makeup there? He does a little bit like Jamie Foxx. You're right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. I think it's the I mouth. Just, yeah, it, it, the mouth and, and the eyes, his eyebrow, the way his eyes are, the, yeah. the way his brow is. And yeah, it just it, it the first time I looked at it the last couple reads, I was like, hey, it reminds me of Jamie Foxx. <laughs> but yeah, and then of course Thing Hands. <laughs> Dang. But that right there says there's something more to his strength than just, you know, thing to it. Even if he would didn't have thing, you know, like thing appendages there, I, I, I get the feeling he would still be as strong as a thing. Well, it says he's supposed to be stronger than the thing. Mm-hmm. All his all his powers are supposed to be amplified beyond um, the FS standard levels. So he's supposed to be stronger than the thing, hotter than the torch, and yeah. stretch further than uh, the Mister Fantastic. Um, and it doesn't do much effect on Sasquatch, so he picks up a huge boulder and then tries to. Uh, and that's a that's a stretch in that bottom panel, bottom right, uh, bottom right panel. Yep. That's a typical. You've seen him draw F, uh, Mr. Fantastic that way yeah. all the time. Yep. Yep. And of course, he uh, then at that point was going to do his antimatter blast and get thwarted by a snowball. <laughs> well, that's another great. Uh, that's another great scene where uh, at the very bottom. Yeah, with his hands glowing and all again with all the the it's almost completely there's very little red. This is it, the precursor to to Superman's angry red eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. and and the and with the you've you've seen it's kind of you've seen Kirby do that with the hands. You mm-hmm. just see the kind of bare outline, so you realize that the hands are just glowing white hot. Uh, oh, so cool! But the panel above it, the middle on the right, that. The scroll looks great, but Sasquatch gets a little lost because he's just kind of highlighted. He's mostly in black and in shadow, and you don't get to see a lot of his face. Wait, which 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 panel are you talking about? The oh, middle okay, panel yeah, yeah, yeah. to the right. Yeah, the the upper part because his hand yeah. is fully showing down there at the bottom. And you know, I it's funny I wasn't actually seeing that that was Sasquatch above. So yeah, that's a little bit lost in translation there. Well, your eye goes right to the scroll. Because it's that bright red and, and yellow, um, yeah. And then of course it goes that, like I said, to the bottom that bottom panel, which is so great. And then yes, of course he then has his his uh, his his first attack, uh, and that's a great shot. 
uh, on the next page, upper right, where he's curled over in pain. It's a that's great grimace on his... That's the thing that uh, Banshee said when he tried to use that, his scream against Alpha Flight. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he can't bear the pain. The pain, the pain. The pain. He turns into Dr. Smith. Uh, yeah. But it, this is where he uses the ever-forgotten scroll hypnotic stare. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't aware of it myself, so... Yeah, it's, it uh, wasn't. That was his like his his uh, his fifth power, which I uh, guess would be six if you count his antimatter blast. Um, well, wasn't the antimatter blast basically an anagram of the soul of the the supernova? Yeah, I think that was just the same. I don't know why why that was different. I mean, he says it's more powerful than uh, you, you know can't possibly survive my antimatter blast, but you know he gets punked out. <laughs> Gets, he gets thwarted by snow, as you said. Mm-hmm. And then he, uh, uh, and then this is something else I thought was odd is he says, um, when Sasquatch is swiping at him, he says, uh, uh, no, it says, uh, to strike no longer, can no longer be called a hand. It is a claw, razor sharp talons, uh, bear glinting in the dim light of the aurora borealis. He's never drawn Sasquatch as having, particularly having claws. It's always just like regular fingernails. So. Yeah, and, and the hand, above, Sasquatch's hand above and the panel above looks so weird. It's a little big. It's, it's almost like he's is. got, I mean, yeah, that's like an oven mitt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, of course, the next page, you know, we see him using the, the hypnotic stare and it looks like the beams start a little higher off the forehead than in the eyes. Yeah. I'm wondering if something happened. I don't know. Um, a little pretty and then we get it. another recap of his battle with Spidey, Spidey and uh, Ms. Marvel and how he gets blown off into the uh, ether. Yep. I read. I went back and kind of thumbed through these, too, because these are also in... Um, I've got these digitally. But I looked at them just because I don't remember... Reading these, I, I'm sure I have, but I wanted to thumb through these to see uh, kind of how he got to where he was. And the the crystal that he gets, the... Um, Calvarite crystal? Calvarite crystal. Apparently, because uh, Claremont wrote, wrote those others, that's a crystal that was uh, used by Jules Verne, or not Jules Verne, H.G. Uh, Wells. Mm. So it comes from some of his writing. So that was kind of okay. cool. That is cool. Yeah. You know, on that next page, uh, the, the my favorite image of the whole book is Galactus there eating the Skrull homeworld. <laughs> I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful image of Galactus. And it's got that red all around it. You know, he's just jonesing for a Twinkie. Yep. Well, and the next page is nice, too. I mean, next panel over. Yeah. That, um, that maelstrom or energy or whatever that is. That... Um, Showing that he gets being, I guess that's supposed to be the uh, Van Allen belt. Yep. And he gets, and he gets being back. But you've got so, a very good point. If the okay, if this is on a, a uh, an asteroid that's say orbiting this, the home world, and Galactus eats it, so that's going to drift off. Even if I guess whatever's powering it is still functioning, that I would drift off. Is. I don't know how it's still transmitting power. Well, no, and what it says here, though, and, you know, somehow uh, this triggered a beam still honed on Earth, and Super Scrolls 
uh, Adams were sent back to become ensnared in the swirling maelstrom of the Van Allen belt. So that's what happened. He got stuck in the Van Allen belt until Langowski's crew pulled him out of the ether. Right. So when he when they pull him out and he materializes, mm-hmm. is this asteroid still beaming him power? Well, okay, yeah, that's that. That is the good. Or point. is his or is his power now? Does he is permanent? Permanent, you know, like the FF. Hmm. I don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you this: when I'm in adrenaline situations and I'm sick, my best work comes out. <laughs> you know, if I have to do something physical, I seem to be able to run faster than normal or, or stronger than normal. It's like my body is just sitting there throwing as much adrenaline and everything ink into those moments. And here's someone that doesn't realize that he's dying. Yep. He doesn't know. He just he just know he wants why yeah. he wants to get back to the home world so that So everything uh, in his body is turned up to eleven. Yeah, scroll tech and uh, you know, fix him. And it could also be with him having been in the ether so long, he's absorbed so much power that he has just got oodles to be able to use up. That's true. But I also my my question also was how can he develop if he's in he's he's exist he's existing as energy. Right. How can that be affected by other energy that then when he materializes he has cancer. Well again, all this is supposition on the part of Walter Langowski. That's true. That's true. That he's got that he's got leukemia or whatever. Right. He could have just could, been put, it put could together wrong. Yeah. That when yeah, when he came back together, he wasn't all right. And you know, he needs something else to fix him. And that also makes it simple to say, okay, that's why he didn't die. Yeah. Because if things went the way Burns said they were supposed to, he'd be gone, dust vapors right now. And they couldn't do that because the Super Scroll is one of those great villains you want to see yeah. again and again and again. Well, I think it's 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 revealed when he comes, he gets when somebody gets reintegrated again, he somehow he's cured of his cancer by some kind of temporal anomaly or some kind. They somehow retcon it that he's something has caused him to be cured, so he didn't have super cancer anymore. But it, it would be an explanation, but nowhere near as good as a burn explanation. No, yeah, I don't know if the burn ever. You know, I don't know if. If did he, uh, you know, he's pulling on his old story. He's pulling on Claremont's old story. I'm sure he he helped he helped um, with that plot one, it. the Marvel team up, plot it, so that he's pulling this character back. You know, he goes, well, I, you know, I, I, I beamed him off into space, and now I'm explaining how he came back. Uh, I'm giving him this cancer or whatever condition he's got. Uh, is he like, uh, okay, now I'm going to put him back in there for the next person, you know, to come along. Either I'll I'll resolve this myself or the next person can come along and they can you know is he kind of giving someone a loaded gun so that okay you can do the super scroll if you want to pull him out of the the uh, radiation belt but you're gonna have to find a way to cure his cancer yeah interesting yeah i don't know i don't know if i'd be that would be really interesting how if authors think of writers because you i don't think you could because i think it would stifle your your creativity if you thought well okay i've set these these uh, these characters in motion. Now, what what's the person coming behind me going to do? But I, I, I can imagine you couldn't worry about that because then you would never you can't, get anything done. You can't. And, and, and yeah. the best explanation also came from Burn when he was talking about leaving Alpha Flight. Now, when um, uh, he was talking to Mike Mignola, 
who, of course, was working on The Hulk then with uh, Bill Mantlo. And they they had talked briefly about swapping books. And in a taxi cab with Jim Shooter, Byrne kind of, you know, says, hey, you know, uh, we were talking about this. Just, of course, it wasn't serious because we know we'd have to get your your, your thoughts on it. And yeah. Shooter's like, well, what, what what did you want to do at the Hulk? And he goes, well, I wanted to do this, 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 and this. And Shooter goes, that's great. That's really good. I think you should do it. I think you should make that happen. And so Byrne gets over to the book and then Shooter comes in and says basically, wait, you can't do all this, you know, basically taking, you know, the, the, the whim of iron, so to speak. But, you know, the thing was, is that Bill Mantlo comes to him and says, so, hey, you know, I've taken all this stuff from all your stories and kind of organized them like this and everything so I can keep everything straight and do all day. And Byrne really felt like everything was in good hands. And then just come to see that, you know, he tore everything apart. And of course, you know, again, editorial decisions, you know, made them go different directions with some of the characters because they were too afraid to make what was obvious, obvious. And then, you know, finally years later, they reveal it. But, you know, it's it's anyway, uh, as we get back to this, though, (laughs) I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this this one panel, the in the this the third panel on uh, page 14 and you see the super scroll is messing with the tech and you know I feel like if you could you just change the head a little bit you got Reed Richards there mm-hmm. oh that's, the eyes, yeah, that's the a eyes pose especially yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, a, that's a typical burnt pose because yep. I don't know how, how they could possibly cobble anything together from all that wreckage but and how they're hey, powering if it. Raccoon was there, he'd be pulling stuff all over, all over the place. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do in a junkyard. A rubble junkyard. Uh, anyway, so he can weld, too, you know. He's got the, yeah. the human torch powers, and, you know, he Blangowski can sit there and, you know, pretty much mash anything together he needs to. He doesn't need hammer and nails. Yep, and that the, the, bottom, the bottom of that page, one, the, the scroll screaming out again is another great facial expression on the book on yes. the scroll but the other one is a is uh gives you a nice scale of how just how big uh yeah but Sasquatch scroll is. Looks so muddy there yeah he's a little uh well it's it's the panel above it's a little a little muddy too it's well, just it's just a little yeah but even the the it's funny because he goes outside the panel in that bottom left one, he goes the wires or whatever it is to the device go outside the panel to the left, and yeah. there's no real reason for it. No, I think that's just some of the maybe that's didn't get caught or they just didn't they didn't erase it. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, I would definitely love to see the pencil pages for this. Ah, well, maybe one that would day. be interesting to see uh, how how rough they are. Yep. Okay, then, so we go on to the next page. And, of course, because the scroll is in so much pain, it makes it easy for Sasquatch to get out of his uh, stupor and grab the scroll and throw him into the transmitter and hit the switch. And the speed lines in that last panel are just, like, they're dizzying almost. That's that's a great shot of him kind of, you know, it looks like something you see in Star Trek, like Transporter X, and it's just being... Just and that's what it makes me think of. I, I, yeah. And I'm sure that's what he was going for there. He's He's got that Star Trek OCD. I don't know how he feels about Star Trek, the motion picture, but 
that's pretty much what it makes you think of when yeah and if you just did, being... spoiler if you didn't know this kirk's wife gets killed in the transporter accident with the science officer did you know that yeah but well they don't yeah. it's not it was in the it was in the novelization yeah it's a novelization it was his the kirk's wife that well, they, it, it should have been edith keeler or this woman or Carol Marcus up on the horse, not Antonia. Who the hell was Antonia? <laughs> That's well, a big regret. I think sometimes, I think uh, some decisions like that are made sometimes because they don't want to pay someone. If they use an existing character, someone owns. They'd have to pay Harlan Ellison. Right, right. <clears throat> or they would have to pay, yeah, they, the, you know, the writer or whatever who did the other Whoever stuff. The other but, you know, the thing is, yeah. is that would have made that scene so much better. Even, But again, the, the writers of Next Gen had this habit of uh, spitting on the original series whenever they could. Well, it was considered like the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the poor cousin of what they yep. were doing, but. Yeah. So on the on the next page though, you see Elangowski, you know, walking away from it, and he's doing exactly as you're talking. Yep. He's using the hands. It's kind of lopping in, along in that in that orangutan way. And then the bottom panel is another cityscape, but at night, so it's just all the lit up buildings. And it kind um, of shows how far he was because it apparently took him a week. I'm assuming a Sasquatch to get home. Yeah. To uh, where's he? He's in Vancouver, right? Uh, yeah, urban, Vancouver. Yeah. Yep, Vancouver. It's a nice city. I've been there, uh, especially Vancouver Island. Um, Love the architecture on this next page. The apartment buildings. This house, and, yeah, yeah. Like is, is it an apartment building or is it a house? It's, no, it's an I apartment. Can't tell it's a yeah or like a. It, it says he was his something. apartment. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, apartments across False Creek from the city center. So, and that's where Aurora comes. Aurora in shows and, up. She's uh, decided she's moving in. She's yeah. She'd split up in previous issues. She'd split up. She had differences with her brother, so they were no longer kind of teamed well, up. Because he thought she was a tart. Yeah. Well, it was his uh, assumption. Well, because she had gone through with her multiple. She has multiple personalities. She has kind of right. a straight laced kind of school teacher personality. Yeah, repressed, she's repressed, repressed school teacher. Yeah. And then she has a uh, freewheeling uh, Aurora. You know. Um, so this is kind of setting stuff that's that's fixing the uh, come up, but this actually doesn't come about in the next two issues. It's uh, it's uh, after, after the it's after the, the, and, the, yeah. The, yeah the, the this all culminates in the next issue and the next, which is with um, Jerome Jackson, where he he's the one who offered Hudson the job to get him down there, and then he then he spends sends his. Um, his uh, robot assistant to, to get Heather. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give the whole story away. It's a good read. I mean, we've kind of spoiled this issue, but if but this, the first 12 issues are great. I mean, it's a couple different story arcs in there. The Puck one I thought was interesting, but you could really kind of take it out. That's more of a character study of, of who he is. But um, the the first 12 issues of Off-Flight are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's just the thing is you can't expect it to to play like other Marvel stories. But uh, it, I mean, it's still it's a definitely you know a, a really really good read, and it's a good departure from stories like Fantastic Four. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad that they didn't decide to have uh, Hudson in New York because what I loved about Alpha Flight is that it was so 
um, so much about Canada. And it dealt with, uh, especially with Shaman, and a lot of mysticism and, and Canadian legends. And it was just a, a different animal than the New York-based or even California-based uh, superhero stories. So I mm-hmm. like the fact that it took place so far from the normal playground. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, do you want me to go to the next one before we do give the final review on yeah. all this? Okay. Uh, you might kind of explain what this little... Yeah, this is uh, the origins of Alpha Flight, and this one is called, is it Family Ties? Family Ties. Family Ties. That's right. Continuing origins of Alpha Flight, not Family Ties. And um, basically, after Jeannie Bavier joins Department H, Heather Hudson notices how much she resembles skiing champion Jean-Paul Martin. And a little bit of digging reveals that they are long-lost twins. After the death of their parents, the Martins could only afford to adopt one of them and arrange for a school to look after Jeannie Marie, because girls don't matter. (laughs) When the Martins died in turn, the connections uh, between the siblings was lost until now. Jean-Paul is brought in to Ottawa, where he hears the news and immediately takes to, to using the Bobbier name. He meets with James Hudson, who reveals he knows about the champion's hidden power of flight and offers him a spot in the department to put them to better use. Jean-Paul isn't interested at first, but changes his tune when he's introduced to his sister he never knew he had. That's pretty much it. Yep. So, (laughs) I mean, what what I'm going to say right now is basically there is not there doesn't have to be a discussion about the shoe that never drops and the shoe never got dropped the entire time that berm was actually writing he wrote in the whole run of alpha flight um he just put it in there as a matter of fact it wasn't trying to be subtle he wasn't trying to you know really sit there and say hey look you know he's gay yeah you know, he just put in the, the comments of what people recognized and understood. You were able to sit there and come to your own conclusion. And really, a lot of people came to the conclusion. It, it, it's not like it was a secret. We got banged over the head with it with a two by four, really. <laughs> but there were things about it, though, that did kind of bother me. And that is, you know, first, of course, their parents died. Now they say their parents died in a car accident, right? And then the Martins died. And I was like, there's something maybe a little fishy there. Maybe, I mean, it just keeps happening. So I actually went on to Burns Forum and asked him. I said, after reading North Star's Origin again, looking over discussion about him on the forum, I'm surprised that there's not more discussion about the other aspects of his past than his sexual orientation or whether he uses mutant powers to cheat as a pro athlete. My questions regards to his family life. There's enough in your stories to see that he joined with the terrorists at some point, so he had no qualms about killing others if he felt the cause was just. I know he was quite young at the time, six years old, but did he have anything to do with the death of the Martins that were raising him? I ask because it does seem coincidental that both the parents and then his adopted parents all died before the children reached the age of seven. And Byrne's response on this um, was basically, John, well, I mean, literally, John Paul's backstory is necessarily elastic. When I created him, he was about my age. 
and so had lived in the same period of Canadian history in which I lived. He's about 40 years younger than me now, so his experiences would, would be very different. To the specifics of those experiences, not much I can offer. The character has been adrift for a long time. He has little in common with who I thought he was. I figured that was interesting, but I, I kind of get the idea that back then that, that you know, if, if he had continued on Alpha Flight, I think you would have gotten a little bit more on, on Jean-Paul. I, he's not a hero. No, well, he's, he's... Is he a flawed hero? Is he a anti-hero? Is he a... As um, he's written here, he's not a hero. Why, he I mean, is why does he join... I mean, simply to be with his sister. Simply to be a part of a family. Simply to to belong to something. Now, I don't know. Again, it was one of those things where it didn't get explored. Did he want to control her so he had control over somebody? You know, because his own life was something he didn't have control of. True, but as a as a you think as a, as a as a figure in the uh, the the public eye being as as successfully was as a, a, a skier that yeah that could be a lonely existence because he doesn't have anybody well uh, and, and the thing you got to remember in that is that when burn wrote him he wrote him as being an average skier until his powers came on yeah and that's what made him a champion he he cheated he used the powers yeah, to his yeah. advantage and you know in that um and when mantelo took over he was already a champion skier, as far as Mantlo is concerned. It wasn't the powers that made him that great. You know, he just got the powers. He wrote him a little different. He retconned it. Um, but well, he says I, he says he said, um, uh, you know, how did uh, how did a mediocre skier become a world champion, gold medalist? Uh, shortly after he learned he could fly, basically, it kind of happened overnight. So you think yeah. they would be. Uh, someone to look into that. Like you don't, you don't get to be that good just overnight. But mm-hmm. you know, obviously, there's nothing they could, unless they thought he was he was uh, taking enhancing drugs, which obviously, you know, he would he wouldn't pass that. But he'd pass that. But um, uh, I don't remember much reading after. I mean, I read after. I didn't read it much after Burn left. Then I kind of came back to it later. But he just kind of. He never seemed like he really wanted to, or to me, he didn't seem like he was developing uh, North Star as much. He just kind of drew him as kind of an arrogant, you mm-hmm. know, basically kind of an arrogant jerk. Because that, that, there is no development to that. Someone yeah. is an arrogant jerk until yeah. they have that defining moment that makes them come to the realization, I'm an arrogant jerk. Yeah. And I know this because I was an arrogant jerk. Yeah. And sometimes I still am. He was? We're talking about. No, uh, and anyway, no. but yeah, I mean, he—he—he. He, he, I mean, it, it's kind of a—he's a kind of character, and you've seen this written all the time that he tolerates being in the group, although he thinks he's—he's he's above the group. He doesn't mm-hmm. really believe in what the group's doing, but he hangs out with them anyway. Right, um, and it's all for his sister. Yeah, that's funny. If have you ever watched? I just—I've been got a kick watching, uh, and it's all it's all. I'll put the blame on Andy Leyland because I've been wa- uh, listening to a lot of uh, Palace of Glittering Delights. Oh, yes. Uh, which is such a... If I mean, you guys aren't listening to and- Andy Leyland's show, it is one of the best shows on the internet, 
hands down, he is my favorite podcaster out there aside from this guy that does this uh, podcast about John Byrne. Oh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm not, not talking about me. <laughs> no, Andy is. Andy does. I mean, he does. I don't know what it is about him, but he just. I'd listen to him read the phone book. He's just. Um, he makes it interesting, and he's got a passion for everything he talks about. And you know, he spent the last, you know, most a good part of his life as a teacher, and so he's got to go over the same kind of stuff day after day. So when he gets something that that stirs him, that he feels about, he can really sit there and just kind of. Yeah. Rip it out and turn it into something. You know, I mean, it's a labor of love. But he covered, uh, so I've been watching a lot of just whatever. It's like he'll, I'll listen to an episode. It's like, oh, I got to go watch that. But I started watching Blake Seven. Have you ever watched ah. it? I've only watched like the last episode yeah. of the original. I never Seven. watched it because one, it wasn't readily available. But luckily, I found it on YouTube. So I've been watching it. And the character of um, Avalon. Is it Avalon? I don't know. In fact, of the matter is, I, I watched it once thirty years yeah. ago. There's a character on there that reminds me a lot of Northstar, where he's he thinks he's above the group. He stays with the group because he does feel some pull as a, of a kinship to this kind of group of rogues. But he, at the same time, he thinks, "Well, I don't really. I'm. I know more. I'm better. You know, I don't really belong here. But I'm going to hang out with you guys until maybe something better comes along." So that's that's kind of what. I get from from Northstar. He's not as not screwed up like his sister. His sister's got some serious mental problems. Um, but but see, this is my point. I think he is messed up. Well, he's he's emotionally detached, but I don't <laughs> think. Well, okay, his 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 problems are. I don't want to you know make light of it. His problems are more. They're easily hidden, more, hidden. Right. Hers are written obviously, kind of. Oh, this is someone who has, um, you know, um, do you even call it multiple personalities in order? Do they call it? Yeah. A dis, uh, disassociation? Is that what they yeah, call it? Right. Whatever. She's a, she's like Sybil. She's got, you know, yep. and she flips back and forth and things can trigger it. So Or, or Crazy Jane if you watch Doom Patrol. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Is that any good? Have you watched yes, that? Yes, I'm loving it. I'll tell you, though, Umbrella Academy, watch it, watch it. Watch it. I haven't. I haven't watched it. It's. Uh, oh it's, my uh, gosh! That's like one of the, one of my favorite shows of this year. It was Umbrella uh, Academy. I'm at the look, uh, look into it. And and Doom Patrol is you know I mean it's it's DC Universe and they they don't spare on the uh, out reach out you know they talk about Batman Superman whatever you know they're they're real people in their world. That's good. That's good. I yeah. don't. Um, and you're watching Titans too, right? Yes. Titans, of course, is, uh, is the first season's done. They're making second season right now. The finale was really amazing, and, and I, I love the way they handled Batman in that finale. Um, so, I mean, I, that's all I'll say. you got to watch it. Yeah. Uh, Beth bought me the DC Universe channel, so, uh, you know, I don't have to try and watch it through StreamSmart. And yeah, I don't course- think I've got that. I don't think we have that available on our – on our current Apple TV, because uh, I was interested yeah. in watching Doom Patrol. Well, it's, it's funny because I bought her a TV for her office that I, that I built up, and it it was a Roku TV. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know, it's like she decides, okay, well, let's go ahead and get this, so I can access it on my phone. I can access it on my TV in my office because I've got you know that uh, it's actually connected to a computer. It's a it's a, a monitor. 
And then we realized our regular TV, even though we've got PlayStation, we got Xbox, and we had StreamSmart, none of them had DC Universe as a as an app. Hmm. And so the only way you knew you, that we could watch it was all was those other ways are on her Roku TV. So I went out and just bought a, a, a thirty dollar Roku box. Um, and that right there, you know, we've got that connected up, and we're watching it on that. Yeah, we we used to have Roku. What's nice about those is you can't download apps. The the newer versions of Apple TV, you can. What we have, we can't. So we'd have to upgrade. But um, you know, maybe after uh, we're still watching Discovery now, and after. Because that's the yeah. reason we have the CBS and streaming that, that thing. Roku th- uh, thing is, it, I mean, it's small. It's so portable. Yeah, it's tiny. It's, can, it's, it's it's it like, just plugs into the the HDMI port, you know, using HDMI cable, and then you use a, a phone charger to plug into it for yeah. power. Yeah, it's tiny. It's like our Apple TV is like the size of a hockey puck. Yeah, and you can put it in your pocket and walk around. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's it's smaller than a cell phone. It's and yeah, it's pretty neat. Anyway, uh, we need to get back to this because I know you you yeah. uh, got to get to bed. Um, so we're looking at the, the the first page of the Family Ties story, and of course we see the newspaper piece where they're showing Jean Paul Martin, and you know, of course she realizes, yeah, he does kind of look a little bit like me. I mean, we've even got the pointed ears. You got the same yeah. Spock eyebrows and ears. I mean, I don't yes. know what, what could possibly, uh, yeah. Um, and, and notice, of course, that, you know, Guardian is in full Guardian garb, and she's in leotard. Well, she's, you know... Working out, exercising. Maybe he just, he this, just showed this up. is their version you know. of a danger room. Yeah, so he's... <laughs> so I don't know why she's not... Uh, she's, like, she, she's just been doing... I don't know what she's been doing. She's been doing something. Um, well, she's got the legs of the pommel... The, the tops of the pommel horses spread apart so wide. That's, yeah, she you hadn't could, been doing splits on there or something. You couldn't, you couldn't be doing that. <laughs> and um i mean but it's really all discussion there's no real action in this it's more mundanity as guardian talks to her about the brother and you of course we see him in the back of a, a taxi or a limo it's a limo it's a limo i think yeah and of course he meets gary cody now gary cody is actually a real person and he showed up at the boston con if you were there now you were there, weren't you? I was there. Did you did you catch that part where John Byrne pointed out the guy that was actually Gary Cody? No, who was uh Is he drawn to look like somebody or Gary yeah, Cody he, is an actual person? Yeah, Gary Cody is an actual person and he's drawn to look like Gary Cody, I think. Of course, I mean, this is thirty years later. So yeah, uh, he, he didn't mention anything about that. Yeah, I think it must have been a different day. It might but, have been um, the next day, yeah, because I, I didn't watch, I didn't sit in on both of his uh, his talks. Yeah, but I remember hearing about that and the fact that he pointed him out. Um, and then, of course, you've got the inside of, uh, is that Canadian Parliament or what do you call it's a that? Parliament, it's a Parliament, he's called it the Parliament Building, which yeah. is called Parliament Building. And it's, um, again, it's done from a, a photo reference picture. Yeah, and that's a little, that's a little dark and yeah, um, mu- muddy. Muddy, yeah, that one is. Uh, but the next page, you get some great burn tech with these guys carrying around. What is with the helmets? Yeah, that's those are kind I mean, of those, those, are, are, those are like super safety construction helmets. <laughs> They're kind of like uh, Death Star. Uh, the, um, the dark helmet power beam talk, kind of helmets space balls kind of. I mean, <laughs> just so big, it's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, but I, 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 I mean, and the thing is, they're not your typical burn trooper look. The the boots are all you know, like hazmat kind of boots. 
and you know everything is not so you know perfectly fitting uniform whatever and then what the hell is that guy carrying he's carrying a big i don't know it's a big yeah i guess it's some big omniverter or something you know some other technical word that we don't understand yeah, it's a well, he always has the best dressed uh, janitors because everybody always has these super high tech um, outfits they get to wear. Yeah, and this is when he's meeting uh, uh, Hudson for the first time, and he's they keep you know calling by the wrong Hudson's name. Face, the look on Hudson's face is almost <laughs> like, "Oh, great, another boy to play with." <laughs> It, it almost reminds me of Kevin Maguire's Max Lord from the Justice League comics. Uh-huh. Uh, a little bit there. Um, and then that, that shot of, of Jean-Paul's face as, you know, he tells him he knows about his power. There's something so unfinished about that to me. Well, he looks it, younger. He looks younger than he does in the other. Yeah. And the, the, with the with that pinkish background, at least that's how I see it in my copy. It, it makes it's it very, big, yeah. very cartoony. Yeah. It what? actually reminds me of Japanese anime. Yeah, he reminds me of something. It's like he looks like Robin or he looks like... He doesn't look... He looks almost Vulcan-like in all the other shots. Yeah. In this one, he doesn't. He looks... Well, it's funny because in the top left picture, he looks like Stan. Yeah. Yeah. Stan here. Stan here. I hope. <laughs> okay. What color... <laughs> let me ask you this because I've seen it drawn differently. What color do you think their hair is supposed to be? Is It's not it's, white. It is black to the point where when light hits it, it looks white. I, I, I mean, I know what Burns going for there. Yeah. I, I don't think I've, I've really seen – and I mean, I've dated black-haired girls, you know, long, long, like Asian women with black hair. Mm-hmm. But it's not like that. It's it's, so, it's shinier. Well, it's, I asked that because in the, uh, the Machine Man issue that Ditko drew – he drew them both with white hair. And I yeah. don't know if that's just... He didn't misunderstood the way it was supposed to be. I understood they were supposed to be like jet black hair. Yeah, but is that him or is that the colorist that, that made that choice? I don't know. I mean, I would think he would, if they miscolored it, I think he would... He would uh, yeah, but Vern is described as being super shiny black. Yeah. Yeah, that's just highlights. You know, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, how they make Superman's hair look blue. Right, yeah. Instead of black. Instead of black, yeah. But. Yeah, but uh, so we've get, we're getting the history of, of Jean-Paul showing him being the, the ski champion. And then, of course, Hudson saying he didn't really show much interest in women. But guys that, that typically uh, participate in sports may, you know, kind of slough yeah. off that. They did this. They did one for Aurora. They did, they did North Star. They did uh, Walter Sasquatch. Did they do one for Puck? You've got the omnibus look. <laughs> All right, let me get. Hold on. Let me get my. To quote Andy Leyland, my vagrant wow. killing, <laughs> vagrant killing omnibus here. Well, you know, I, I picked up the uh, Behold Galactus book. And that one, I mean, that's freaking huge. It's like three and a half feet tall. Is it, what is it? Is it just all collected Galactus stories? Uh, it, it is the Kirby, Lee Kirby Galactus stories. I think there's a Basima one in there. And then, of course, it's got the Burn 
Galactus Terex um, story, and uh, you know where the Avengers come and fight him, and then Frankie Ray gets your powers from him. Yeah, and uh, it, it is just—I mean, it is a third bigger than the um, artifact editions and the artist editions they're putting out, and they're full color too. It's not, you know, like the the pages. The uncolored pages that they, they use, like for the artifact edition. Yeah, I want that, that. That that this right here being colored is really cool. So uh, you know, I got that. But how I'm going to be able to sit down and read it one day, I have no idea. It's so freaking huge. Still thinking that pair of pages out, just trying to change, you know, flip from one page to the next. Okay, let me desperately flipping through this. Okay, well, the first I, one. Oh, actually, the first one is uh, James Hudson himself. It kind of shows him developing the his the, cyber yes, helmet and the um, his little cyber suit. I think with uh, Shaman. Yeah, I recall that Shaman. How he got his little medicine bag and he became because he was a doctor. And then there's one with uh, Walter, and one on Aurora where she's kind of a schizoid teacher. And then this one, which is Family Ties. And before you, before you go on, I'll just sit there and say, you know, of course, we get the last page, which is, again, it's mundane. It's it's the two of them, Jean-Paul and Jeannie Marie, meeting for the first time. And, of course, they go to shake hands, and you know what's supposed to happen next, but they don't actually show it. And I found that her clothes in, in that made her look like such a little girl. You know, like she's like a, a, a 10 or 12 year old girl rather than adult. Yeah. The way he had her dressed in that in that panel as she walks into the room. Which do you, uh, you know, knowing what comes later, she has a different costume. Uh, and I, this, I this, hate this. the new costume. Uh, and I, I don't really like her hair either. Well, it, it looks like a swimsuit. Yeah, and, and her, nor, nor do I like her hair. Yeah, it, it looks like a swimsuit. Yeah. To me. Um, but, you know, again, I was never a big fan of their costumes. I felt like it was Guardian Light. It's, yeah, it was, it was, it was a black and white version of his. I mean, his is a great, for the simplicity of it, his is a great it costume. It is simply one of the greatest comic book costumes ever designed. Guardian's costume is just, you know, I mean, it's not symmetrical and it's super and it's Canada and it's I mean you, you, of course people call him Major Maple Leaf or whatever but it is really a great well I mean if you've got the, the, the task of designing a costume with Maple Leaf on it I mean Byrne came up with the best solution he could and it's just, it's just an iconic uh, costume it's just it just works you know yeah. something simple is better and it just works but uh, okay you got any um I think we have to kind of close this up. Do you got any final thoughts on... You know, this is, yeah, again, uh, anytime you get a chance to see Super Scroll in action is, is a lot of fun. But Burn drawing Super Scroll, you know, I mean, he he tackles him with three times because he gets him in Marvel Team Up. He gets him here, and I believe he dealt with him in Iron Fist too, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he never dealt with him with, during his FF run, did he? No. No, which that, that seems like it should have been done. Now, I wonder if this is a kind of a, this is, yeah, well, Chris, he could have done it then if he wanted to, but, um, you know, sometimes I'm sure you have thoughts doing that and, and you know, the, 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 the opportunity never comes around. It's like it doesn't quite fit in the story. Um, but 
Super Scroll's always like one of those. It's he's kind of like Galactus. I, I enjoy any any story that has him in it. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's they just he's just like that that uh, Marvel villain that you always love to see. I mean, there 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 are Marvel you know villains like Doom, um, and of course you always think of Super Scroll as a Fantastic Four villain, and yet for those of us in that time period. We didn't see the Fantastic Four ever fight him during the during the, the range of comics that we read back in that no, day. No, no, he was he was he, he was, was always, always fighting a... other people. We always knew him as a Fantastic Four villain. Yeah, but uh, he was always really cool <laughs> when you got to see him there. Well, the scrolls um, are just that's like the scrolls. Period. They're just a great. They're a great design. They're a great bad guy. Um, Super Scroll is just that plus more. So. This is a great. This is a, just. A, this was a fun. Um, just a fun read. It's. It's. I put it up there with like the the Hulk annual we covered recently, uh, with Master Bold. It was just fun, top to bottom, and it does lead into. Um, it makes you want to go and read the other. Hopefully, it should make you want to read the previous issue. So that one's great too. Uh, or maybe this will make you pick up Alpha Flight because I don't. I don't hear enough talk about Alpha Flight. A lot of people kind of. It's kind of gone by the wayside. I don't even know if it's even being published now or not. Um, oh, but. and it, and what it was, it wasn't uh, Iron Fist. It was actually Submariner number seventeen, where um, you brought the scroll. The scroll was actually uh, basically portraying Danny Rand. Okay, like he'd come back, but that's also what gave them the idea that Danny Rand wasn't dead. Um. Gonna have to sit there and re re uh, go over the the Namor series because I got some better better copies of it. Um, but uh, have to cover and, some and, of those. There, this the, 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 this storyline actually had one of my favorite uh, scenes of writing in there, and that was basically there was this one guy that was promised to be you know wed with a, a princess. A beautiful, beautiful princess. If he would just betray the humans for the scrolls, <laughs> and it's Phoebe Mars who sits there and says, "You know, don't you, you didn't really think about this, did you?" She's talking to Ward Meacham, and she's like, "Even if the super scroll is telling the truth, which in itself seems highly unlikely, what do you suppose would represent the most beautiful woman in the galaxy to a scroll?" <laughs> but the last page of the story, after after Meacham's gotten himself wiped out and, and everything. Uh, they show this woman, and she is like She-Hulk, with just three little scroll ribs and on on her chin. She is freaking gorgeous. Well, it's like uh, uh, what was Johnny's wife? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I Johnny's wife would sit there and, and turn herself into whatever. Yeah, you know. But uh, of course, you know that idea actually came came first from Legion of Superheroes with Shrinking Violet. Shrinking Violet had gotten kidnapped. And um, replaced with a Durlin. The Durlins were the shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 big tell was the fact that she broke up with her boyfriend, Duplicate Kid, and started hanging out with Colossal Boy. Of course, Colossal Boy didn't know that it wasn't Shrinking Violet. He'd always been in love with her. And uh, they wind up getting married. <laughs> and then even after she you know, reveals herself as a Durlin and they save Shrinking Violet, he stays with her. Stays with her? Well, if it, yeah. If, you know, and, they, and they, they could have done the same thing with Johnny if they if they didn't want to make him single again. He could have said, well, that's who I fell in love with. Yep. Um, but, 
yeah this was yeah. Um, this was just a lot, was, of, lot, a lot of fun a lot of I'm glad you picked it this has always been yeah, one of my favorite I, stories I did it I did enjoy it and, and I've been wanting to do something like you know Alpha Flight you know hit one of the the big burn books that everybody's always talking about. And of course, everybody wants burn to return to alpha flight. The sad thing is, is that, you know, he told all the stories he really felt he had to tell by the time he left the book, he was losing his interest in it. He didn't really want to do it in the first place. Fact of the matter was, you know, he designed alpha flight as a band of, of creature, people, mutants, whatever that could take on the X-Men. And they just gained steam. And yeah. he was offered to do an Alpha Flight book for a long time, years, in fact. And he kept saying, no, nah, no, nah, I just, you know, I, I, I don't think that they, that they really can, that there's much enough there to do a book. And then he was told basically, look, if you don't do an Alpha Flight book, we're going to let someone else do it. And he just couldn't, you know. Couldn't let somebody, if that makes sense. Why, yeah. you know, if he, if he, he brought, him into, brought him into the world, he should at least... And, and he Start thought that if, if he did that, he could create enough of a, a groundwork and history there that a good writer could come behind him and continue it on. And what happened was just wrong. You know, Mantelo himself just did things that were just like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and ultimately, because Marvel's cowardice at the time to reveal the uh, homosexuality, they ended up making North Star and Aurora part elf. Oh. <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot about that. And and well, yeah, because they had hinted that North Star was sick, and you know, of course, everybody's saying, "Oh, he's got AIDS. He's got AIDS because he's gay." And, you know, all that. No, no, it's just that the human side and the elfin side were at war with each other, and that's what was killing him. But that makes know. him Mr. Spock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, but uh, that's enough of that. All right, you want to uh, you want to you want to take us out here, uh, Brian? Uh, All Bryson? right. Well, you know, again for Alpha Flight number ten uh, for Tim Elliott and Brian Hughes, this is Third Degree Burn. Everybody have a great day. Good night. All right. Adios. Don't you lay a hand on my Sasquatch! Why don't you government bastards leave us in peace? I'm not here with the government. I just want to... Don't you lie to me. I know who you are. You're Brock Sampson. You're with OSI. Bionic, huh? Let's see how bionic... Right in my Cape Canaveral. <laughs>
gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing if you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the amazon link to shop this doesn't cost any extra but really helps support the shows Until next time this has been third degree burn all right i'll be mad